hearing your laugh back recorded in multiple forms as well. But that's that's the key. The key is to not listen back. Because we, we get to experience... I mean, I get this question a lot. It's your own shit. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of them. And also, I get to do it in real time, you know? So, why would I... I don't want to listen to it back. Yeah, but I, I knew there was good points that we'd made that I wanted to write down. Yeah, true. And, and I now make little clips of them. I got to do the whole editing thing. But before it was like, I have this conversation. And to be honest, the only difference is I've just clicked the button. It's the way know. it's always got to be, you know? Yeah, I, I wanted to also just, yeah. Sometimes I find when I get into the flow of talking... And not even paying attention to what I'm saying. Thank and you. I overthink everything. So I was like, I want to go back and make sure I didn't like fucking blasphemy. <laughs> you were wonderful, darling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, already. I feel like I need to stop laughing. But that's also overthinking too, right? Oh, just enjoy yourself. Although I did say that the next time you come on, we're going to do red wine and get fucked up. Yeah, that's yet to happen. Probably shouldn't do it at what nine thirty in the morning. Just saying. Yeah, it was like it's got to be a Friday night. Antic. Come August. Why August? Because that's when I have free time. <laughs> you got to book in your time for me. Because <laughs> I've got friends and you don't. It's not even friends, mate. Yeah, it's I know. Projects. Painting and. It's not even just painting now, like. I'm quite overwhelmed with how much I've taken on. Um, mm. The last well, Monday this week, I didn't do anything. But other than that, for like 13, 14 days straight, it's just been things, 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 things. And I'll help you know that no money came in for any of those things. It was all just output and gifts and learning and training and stuff, which is an investment, yeah. But I'm just suddenly like, oh, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. That's the problem with, like, working for yourself, though, isn't it? Because it don't stop. Um, I hate TikTok, right? But there is that stupid one. There's a specific meme one that every time it comes up, I'm like, oh, don't attack me. Where it's like, oh, I got sick of working a nine-to-five job, 40 hours weeks, and then it goes like, dun-da-da-da, and now I work 24-7. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. But I oh. get to file my own taxes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> It finally went through, right? Oh, oh, okay, you'll appreciate this story. Slightly off tangent for a hot, hot moment. Um, I was on, it would have been like the third night, night of training or second night of training, and I was like starting to relax into it. Um, and I was like, okay, cool, no worries. I can just go to bed early and get an early night's sleep, so I'm rested for tomorrow. Because these were like 11, 12-hour training days. Mm-hmm. My poor brain um, and body. And... So I jumped on my computer quickly, which was probably a mistake, but also needed to. And I immediately had a a reminder of like, oh, you need to file your tax return. And I think we've talked about this where I'd already put it through, but for some reason the actual thing wouldn't go through, even though they already have my money. Um, And I I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, oh man, I've got like a day or two to get it in. And if I don't get it in by then, I don't know if I get fined, even though they've already got the money because they don't have the paperwork. And I kind of took a deep breath immediately opened up the the browser thing of the tax um, website and just saw in the top right corner this little this little underlined blue button that said continue editing 
Oh, my God. So for like a solid month and a half, right, I've kept jumping on this website, fretting myself into total fits for like an hour and then giving up being like, oh, I can't find it. Literally bombarded the poor customer service people <laughs> with emails and questions being like, why is this not filing? <laughs> uh, and all along, I was I was trying too hard. And it was just right up there in the corner, immediately clicked that button, went through, submit. Mm. And I was like, yeah. It's, it says a lot, I think, for how we can get so caught up in the details or um, sometimes actually, again, in the bigger picture rather than noticing the smaller things or being able to take that perspective of the bigger things. Like... Because even usually my thing to reset my perspective, I don't know what you do, is like just go to bed and like wake up in the morning and I can usually approach it better. Yeah, it can help. But that didn't work this time. And I've kept going on that website. And then finally it was at training after like working all day. And I even like logged onto it with anxiety being like, oh God, I'm going to spend like three hours trying to find this thing when I just want to go to sleep. And then it was right there and I was like, all right. Okay, universe. I hear you. There's something to be said about looking at something with fresh eyes. You know, stop trying to beat a dead horse and just go to sleep, come back to it tomorrow. You, can, you can't always reset. Hey, I've noticed since getting back from training, and actually, to be fair, at a lot of the trainings, I was so goddamn, although that was, I think, a little bit more fair enough to just take myself straight to bed because I wasn't getting into bed till like 10. Um, but since getting back from training, it's had about four or 5 PM and I've just felt really lost and overwhelmed and like anxious. Mm. And so I keep like trying to almost put myself to bed at like 5 PM because I'm just ready for the new day to start. But if I keep going to bed early, ready for the new day to start and ready for this reset, I'm missing a lot and I'm not really, I think, acknowledging why. I feel the need to keep resetting. So for a few days, yeah, I was just getting into bed at like five. And then I was like, oh, shit, I need to go out and do something. Which is why last night, after five o'clock, after my bedtime, um, <laughs> Thanks, Nana uh, reporting for duty, um, I hit up the crew uh, for the big immersive event next week. I was like, yo, what's the deal? And they said they were mucking in. So just went round there and got in too. And then it felt nice to feel useful. But then why do we need to feel useful? I apologise if I'm a little overly pensive in this podcast. No, fuck it. We always talk <laughs> shit, you know, whatever. But you, you, it made my brain think of, um, I think a lot of people lack the ability to do nothing. And I don't think um, technology has allowed uh, helped this at all because we now have to fill time and space. You know, I, we're just... I also don't really. It's not for a lack of things to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but can you just sit there and be with yourself? Because even even if you could, there's still that little voice in the back of your head saying, "Hey, you could be doing this right now." And that, that's the 100% me. Like, I could sit down and be like, yeah, fuck off. Everybody leave me alone. No problem. I got no qualms with saying that. I'm like, I need 10 minutes 
a day, two weeks, whatever. But there's always going to be that little guy in the back of my head like, Alex, you could be doing something right now. You could be working out. You could be uh, stretching. But it's really true, though. I have so much on my plate at the moment that, like, I don't really feel like uh, there is time for me to just sit down and blob. And, I like, I'm – I don't know if it's just because I've been learning so much or just because I'm still kind of, like, getting – I like I think we talked last time about sleep deep. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm catching up from, you know, the last few weeks of chaos. Um, but I don't – I feel like if I do – stop right now i'm just going to want to quit everything do you know what i mean like when you hit that level of exhaustion and somewhat the wall but not exactly the wall and you've kind of got to either keep climbing up the wall or you're going to totally fall off the wall and then not really want to go again i don't know if that's defeatist no i think i oh hey no <laughs> i think sorry i'm just going through puberty in real time you know, my third testicle is just making its way out of my stomach and dropping down into Why the sack. Why do your balls get brought into every podcast? Because <laughs> I'm mank. This is what happens. Right, continue story. It's either balls... We don't need to talk about your balls anymore. We can move on. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about your balls, love. There's at least one person who wants to hear my balls. Hear your balls I'm or good. hear about your balls? I think you're getting confused there. Well, if it's a hot day... All right, come on, come on. <laughs> this is happening again. This is like... No, I'm not even going to bring up some of the previous subjects we've got into. Continue your story. <coughs> I I agree. Because um, I, I think you need to have the ability to do both. I think there's a fucking lot of people on the planet that... Uh, this might be taken out of context, but you know what? Fuck it. Um, that needs to learn how to how to push themselves i think there's a lot of people are like okay great but if you don't do it it's not going to get done like we can sit and cry about it but we still need to get it done you know you need to get back up however i also think there is a hell of a lot of people on the planet that need to be able to learn how to not do that i think everybody should possess the ability to be able to do both and then it's just down to the individual and a fine balancing act of is this situation in front of me, does that need my resilience right now or does it need rest? Mm, good question. My resilience or my rest? Well, one of the things I, I mean, I had a lot of, so the training I just did was a masseuse training, a 50 hour. Um, and it was an intensive, like six day on site, smashing through with a lot of holistic um, additions within it. And the thing that I really didn't expect to come up so hot and triggering was kind of around gender and gender norms and gender expectations. Um, and then a lot around sort of that yin-yang, which they classify as masculine and feminine. And frankly, I wish we could just burn the words masculine and feminine, personally. But also brought up a good point that, like, I, in some ways, in finding this middle ground, this non-binary, being a dinosaur or whatever, that is isolating myself and pushing me away from everybody else and that sort of thing. And we can all have our own identity. That's fine. But, like, um, if, say, I want to change 
much like I used to just think Christ- being a Christian was a dirty word because being brought up in it, it brought me a lot of pain. I've kind of, I think, associated masculinity and femininity in itself as so binary rather than thinking of the gifts that come with either side or that they can flow into each other, right? And then supposedly with this feminine, there's a soft side, right, and the letting go and I think it's the yin, the dark side of um, a yin-yang. And then yang is the masculine energy, the white, the do, do, do. <laughs> Maturity. Um, this is an uncomfortable subject. Um, we can laugh it out. We can talk about my balls again if you want. No, thank you. Are you sure? No, thank you. Um, basically, I was really confronted because I think growing up without a mum, growing up without female presence, toxic despite being obviously female-bodied, whether I identify as a female or not. I did, like, I was affected by toxic masculinity because I was trying to be one of the boys, do you know what I mean? And the idea of what I'd seen a boy was. And so I took on this energy, which my um, trainer was calling the do the doer energy, right? Like the go, the, the get up, the action, which is great and it's there for a reason. But I wasn't channeling the... Mm-hmm energy and i've never had an influence to well since i have but as like a kid i didn't really feel like there was an influence telling me to slow down or to go like that and also just the amount of pressure i put on myself to push for perfection and all that which we've talked about before as well um now and it's it's funny that already identifying as non-binary I hadn't taken, which is actually one of the things I wrote down on my yearly goals in terms of, you know, the idea, um, what's that term? Mm, Sorry, I feel like I'm going down lots of confusing tangents. Um, Like black or white, like you're looking at everything black or white, like super on one end or the other. Polarized, isn't it? Right. And so one of the things I've been trying to do is like think about living in the gray. Um, And taking a little bit of black and white, but instead because that's, you know, that is our, our spectrum, our shade of colours that we have on access to, is like, say, black from white and then everything in the middle. And in some senses, instead of, and I'm not meaning this quite literally, because I know there's the whole rainbow, whatever, our hues, um, but instead of living in the grey, right, and taking a little bit of the black and a little bit of the white, I feel like in some ways I've almost tried to push myself off all of it. Like, I've just tried to take myself out yeah. of the human spectrum of colour, which... I think is a protective mechanism and, but in there I'm still trying to like do, do, do. I just need to stop saying that like that. Um, oh my God, this is super tangenty. I feel really like unarticulated in this. It's story. isolating. Man. I know, but I'm trying to like word this in my brain. Um, but yeah, like why, why this came up is like you talking about how, right. So many of us need to stop doing the things. It's kind of like, oh, mm, another analogy. Fuck, I need to write all this down. This is why we have notes. <laughs> um, when I'm inhaling, right, that's you could think of that as, say, the masculine energy, but what I actually need to work on in this life is my exhaling mm. and, like, letting it go, breathing into it, sinking deeper, grounding. Um, and that was, you know, one of the biggest takeaways and one of the biggest triggers from the training is realizing that I'm not, grounding in and no wonder I feel so unsettled and 
overwhelmed and, and crazy and why I end up taking on, you know, like nine projects. When I was in therapy on Tuesday, I was, I had a bit of a, not quite a cry, but I was fully just like, I've achieved nothing since I quit chefing in 2020. And then I was like, babe, come on, take a step back. You've done more in the last two years, I think, and a lot more like growing and pushing and experimenting and also just like in experiences than a lot of people would do over a much more significant period of time. Did you say that was Tuesday? Yeah. I had exactly the same thought on Tuesday. Yeah, which is crazy because you and I, even though we don't have like a regular job, which is what people classify as like doing enough or doing, I am constantly pushing avenues. Mm Mm-hmm. Like at the moment I've got, I'm in, I only realized that yesterday, um, like five different collectives, organizations, charities that I'm volunteering my time and energy for. Um, I'm still working on my book. I've still got multiple murals lined up. This is becoming a little bit more regular. Um, I've got the, the Mary Hush collective that I'm a part of. Um, I still help out at exchange a lot. I'm still involved with a lot of the other little pop-ups and creative communities around Christchurch, um, different festivals, still learning a bunch of languages, still find a way to read a couple of books every week. Like most people like go, when I get even like a quarter of the way through my list of all the stuff that keeps me occupied. And that's, that's beyond even my personal life. That's just like mind expansion and career. If I take in how many friends I'm constantly trying to maintain, um, that I've got a partner, that I've got family that I want to connect with. So I just, yeah, I'm trying to realize how to settle better. When I was um, driving back um, with Preston yesterday, Preston's um, the current director of exchange or coordinator, um, who's been a huge influence on my art. Um, he said something really, really valid in terms of like, when you're a creative, right, or an artist or something like this, right, where we make our creations, you actually need a lot of space to not make our creations mm-hmm. to be able to like figure out what to create next or to like live in between. Because as soon as we make that art, that tends to pay for itself in one way or another, you know, however that comes about. <clears throat> and we were talking about funding and say, or, you know, like I, w- I was thinking as well the other day about say universal income in terms of, we're not asking the income to pay for our job. We're asking for that income or that support or those funds or whatever <clears throat> to be able to pay for our basics, right? Our rent, our food and that sort of thing. So we don't need to sell out. So we have the energy to keep creating and expressing and sharing and writing books and, and anything like that, because that is, gives us the freedom to be able to do it. Whereas right now we're trying to gift everything to the world and hustle to survive. And that's like so much, so much energy. Whereas I know what I have to, to give more to the world, I think is all the thoughts and creativity, but it's that like constant balance. I don't know yeah. if it was super confusing. No, 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 no. I, I completely agree with you. You need that downtime and you need that, uh, that time of like solemn, you know, just allow the world to do its thing. Just kind of sink into yourself. One, to understand who the fuck you are. Two, to understand what who other people are around you. And three, the world, right? And then usually, you know, art, art ends up finding you, not the other way around. Yeah, it's true. I. But if we're hustling, we're running. We're 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 striving. We're chasing something all the time. 
It ain't going to find you, mate. But I also don't... I'm starting to wonder if we need to run to Shrive. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we're running... It's that, that fight or flight as well, right? It's a great question. Like, what if we stood our ground... Again, grounding into the earth. I'm really trying to think about that, like, actively, without taking the piss out of it. And... I feel like we could achieve more by standing right here and being like, this is what I believe in. This is what I have to give and sticking true to that instead of always either chasing something or running away from something either way. Like if we can, if we can stand in the middle of the chaos, right. And find presence, even if say that's just with a couple of good deep breaths, we're going to get far more done. We're still going to stay interconnected. Whereas at the moment, it's sometimes my relationship with creativity feels like such a, a push pull. And frankly, my relationship with myself, like as you were talking earlier about not necessarily fitting in, right? <laughs> like we are constantly in battles with, within our own mind and like how they've, they've, they've said before, you know, we say with thoughts coming through, right? <clears throat> it's much better to sit there and face them. You don't necessarily need to fight them, but like to actually stand your ground with them, then it is to run away from them. But we're so often seeking dopamine and validation or the next big hit project, whatever, whatever is your poison of choice. Well, not necessarily poison, but. It's an addiction, mate. Well, kind of. Yeah. People are addicted to dopamine, hit, mate. Which is understandable because this world's super overwhelming but again i think it's because there's that culture of running from ourselves i don't know i really struggle with it in terms of if you say think of it in terms of um the spirituality side of things because my relationship with all that is so iffy even saying the word spirituality i even find myself like closing and being like oh what's anyone gonna think of me for using the word spirituality mm. um but i think if we can ground in with ourselves we're unstoppable, right? But then what is it that we need to be able to ground within ourselves and most of it's work that we can only do for ourselves? So then, right, how do we create a society that allows space and time to be able to do that work and ground in with ourselves to be able to create, give better, have a better functioning society? Once you navigate the madness of solitude... You arrive at a plethora of wisdom. All right, thanks, Pink. You want to say that one one more time? I might fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, though. No, it's true. But but in that, like, that's definitely a fact. But how, how, like, obviously we can find that in with ourselves and we have that knowledge. But I've also been thinking maybe just with all the collectives I've been working for and all that, how can we make that more accessible in the society this age with this fucking social media? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I see where you're going with that. And I think, um, again, I think it's a balancing act. Like uh, growing up, my mom was like, it's always about, it's all about balance. And I never understood it. And now I find everything that I talk about is like, you've got to find the fucking balance. And it's like accountability for yourself. Yeah. But also, without the collective of people community and and like togetherness with other people you you're limiting yourself so much and then we just we're on a planet of loneliness and that's not what we want to do 
you know, creating connectivity and community within people. That's the common good, quote unquote, whatever the fuck that means. But I'm pretty sure everybody would want to do that. But it's also at the same time, you've got to take accountability for your own actions. I see it a lot, like com coming out of a council state, people are like, oh, society, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great, but what are you doing, mate? Well, yeah, I think across the board, though, there are a lot of people that will bitch. I don't want to say bitch about an issue. It's not fair. There's so many things going on. Um, but they're very quick to just say, like, I'm all for saying this, this society, society is a bit twisted because it is. But I'm also actively trying to seek the solutions, what I can do within myself, what I can spread in order to solve it. And I think it's that's like when exactly I the right hear balance. people sitting there being like, fuck our fucking political system, whatever. And I'm like, nice. Uh, are you voting? Are you engaging? Are you f talking to your local MPs and finding out what their plans are? Are you, like, what, what, what are you? <laughs> sure. It's great to be mad about something, but like the really beautiful thing about anger is it is a super powerful fuel. Yeah. If you have the bravery to use it. Yeah, that's super heavy, man. You've got to be really careful with it because there's going to be a come down. Yeah, but there's a come down with everything nowadays. Even if I'm having like my beautiful catch-up sleeps where I haven't had a full night's sleep in ages and I sleep like 10 or 11 hours, I might wake up with my brain rested, but I wake up like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, a, there's a consequence to everything, no matter what you do. Even, uh, I've been thinking about this with mania as well because I've dealt with so many states of it and like how we hit, we hit these euphorias, right? And, and life really feels like it can't get better. And, and now I find myself when I find myself kind of breathing into that space that I usually actually take a moment to think like, because when we hit those states, there's this itch to push it because you can, you can push it so big. Um, but also I remember there was a time at a festival I was at last year and I, was actually just so overcome with love. Like, so I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And not in a fun way, like you're smiling, but like I was genuinely actually really freaked out at how, how open I felt, right? And how much I felt in that moment. And how, like, again, because always whatever goes up comes down, right? And like, you can be in that state of euphoria. It doesn't change the fact that humans, no matter how much they love you, will disappoint you in one way or another. And they're like, not necessarily intentionally, but like you can hit that high and um, almost romanticize life. Right. And then think I want to keep hitting that high. Um, but that's not necessarily better either. Like you can't always be happy. It's fucking exhausting. Mm. There has to be a flow with it. It just, it just, just has to be. It's the same thing like with my creativity after doing this mural, Actually, even on like the third or fourth day when you came in, I was having a bit of a mental breakdown because, you know, I'd hit the high of like getting all the colors up and like shaping out what I wanted. And then I was looking at it being, I fucking hate this. I, fuck I was so close to painting over that whole wall just with white and starting again. And then I kind of was like, actually, I'm going to go home, have some food, take a breather, sleep, came back at it the next day decided to put the effort into adjust the one thing that was really irking me. And then suddenly I found love for it again and then finished it was on a super duper high and then went home and then something regular that happens in life, just like 
regular site irritants happened and that crashed. Mm. So it's not sustainable to think that like if you start hitting these, these states of euphoria that everything's going to be great. Like I'm already more than the person I possibly could have dreamed of being at like six, which I also forget about all the time. And <laughs> I need to remember that more often to celebrate that. Um, but even in that and having every avenue available that I've ever wanted open, which is actually kind of, if anything, unfilled like a flower. Like, I, again, you know, saying with art, I haven't really had to go looking for it. Most of it's come to me. Um, there's, I think, an element of, like, <sighs> sometimes I, I don't just pause and actually just notice the flower mm. and that it's already there. And that's really beautiful, but also, like, recognizing that as humans and especially as, like, determined kind of innovative, like humans that are always trying to push and grow and that sort of thing. There is never going to be one flower that I will be satisfied with, never one destination. So yes, finding an appreciation for the flower and how much it's already blossomed and be like, wow, that's amazing. But also realizing that like, I'm never going to hit a point where I'm suddenly 100% satisfied with myself. And actually I don't know if I want to hit that because I feel like if you've hit that point, you've stopped trying, you've stopped growing, you've actually closed yourself off. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think achieving a state of full satisfaction is death. It is, it is dying before we, <laughs> we leave the planet. Not always by choice, but no, no. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I, I saw, for a few years, uh, my dad is a very charismatic man, right? And he works every fucking hour on the planet and will always do multiple things and will always train and he's just a bad motherfucker. But for a couple of years, um, it was just like a zombie. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, just coasting through life. I'm like, no, this is, it, it's not who you are anymore. Like, it's like you're in purgatory. It's like you're waiting. So he was in a zombie. Scene. Yeah. And I mean, he was on a couple of uh, meds and stuff. And, um, and that, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. That puts you into some weird states, but I see, I see him coming out of it again, you know, coaching football, helping out, running and cycling again, changing uh, a little bit of his, of his role and his job and getting a love for it again. I'm like, that's who you are. That fire inside of you. That's 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 who you are. Don't don't let something like extinguish it. Because then what else have you got? Embers. I was like, it can go down, but you can't let it go out. Mm, I, was, I was just about to say to you. I mean, I think it's okay sometimes for it to to drift out. And actually, even there can be a hibernation period of just embers. But you've got to make sure you put that stuff back on the fire before, or you've got the right support beside you to help reignite that before it fully goes out. Yeah, it's the people around you, man. I think that the, the saddest thing on a planet is someone just, like, giving up and just cruising until their deathbed, man. That's... That's awful. I was like, some you've got... Something inside of you is, is still there. You know, it's the Les, Les Brown quote of the wealthiest place on the planet is a graveyard. Oof. Yeah. You know, how many dreams, aspirations things that you wanted to say, do or see went with you. Shit. Yeah. Have what? you seen wisdom of trauma by Gavin Martin? No. 
<laughs> you need to watch that documentary first off. Oh, docu. Um, it's fucking brilliant. But one of the, and I've been thinking about this a lot already. And in um, the new collective global shapers, I'm a part of. One of the things we were talking about is food and the ha- like, kind of living crisis and that sort of thing. And personally, I've noticed in Christchurch to say the homeless population grow quite significantly, massively. And I've only been here two and a half yeah, years, like really significantly. And as a kid, like I went to school here, and maybe I was just a little bit more like mm-hmm. not closed off to it, and we're told not to approach strangers and whatever. But I think that homeless crisis, which now seems super obvious to me, then maybe not. It's a loneliness epidemic, which we've already got across the world. There's a lot of people that are actually homeless in their own homes, do you know what I mean? In the sense of, like, they're so isolated, and that lack of connection is detrimental to the soul. And one of the things Gavin Mate talks about in Wisdom of Trauma and in a few of his books is, like, in in the actual documentary, they're interviewing a lot of um, homeless people, um, and... God, I, I kicked myself when I was like, God, yeah, I should just, if nothing else, say hi to homeless people anymore. I don't need to avert my eyes. Like sometimes yeah, as we're told to yeah. everyone, right? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, a smile can really change someone's day and that doesn't change for someone that's sitting on the street below you. Even I think there's this weird, strange dynamic with humans that just because they're sitting down on the street, say for whatever, and you're walking past them, there's like this strange, natural, hierarchical, thing and again like that don't talk to strangers don't talk to strangers but yeah in this wisdom of trauma they're talking i I cry every time i watch that documentary because there are all these people with these phenomenal rich lives and i experienced it as well actually in a slightly different in in a rest home um working with all these beautiful people again that have had super rich dynamic lives and a lot of them like their family weren't visiting or they didn't even have family left to visit them and when I would sit down with them for friggin' 20 minutes, dropping them off their supper, their cup of coffee and a couple of extra biscuits because Keith always likes the chocolate ones. My guy, Keith. He had it. Um, what they would share with me, I would learn more about life than, like, I could learn in a week of school. Do you know what I mean? Like, in, in such a short period of time, I mean, in school, we don't learn that much about life per se, but, like, it's made me very curious about the people that were so quick to write off or that horrible term in New Zealand of like dull bludgers. What's that? I've never heard of it. Um, like being on the dole, like being on the benefit. It's a really derogatory statement in New oh, Zealand. Oh, yeah, the like benefit. If you're yeah. on the dole or the benefit or yeah, whatever. But if anything, now I have this like really intense curiosity instead of seeing them as numbers or uh, thinking of them like, you know, why do they need this or why, if we keep giving them the benefit, are they turning to drugs and that sort of thing? Like what pushes someone to that extent? Instead of actually finding the empathy that I've also been pushed to substance use or or, or any of those negatively um, lighted activities, whatever, I've done them all. I now have a real intense curiosity to <laughs> to just go around and like ask like what have they learned what what where are, where are they what what or better yet one of the things that he talks about in the documentary is he just keeps asking people say with their childhood right were you held as a child 
Mm. There's a, a thing with um, one of the prisons over in America, I think, where they get people to step forward in terms of like, take a step forward if you've ever been beaten in your family, take a step forward if you've ever felt ignored in your family. And like, even thinking about that now, that makes me emotional. Like, I think we're so... We're so quick to see one side of people, especially if it inconveniences society or is a danger to society, whatever. And like it totally, um, totally takes away our humanity in the sense of like narrowing it down like that. Because if you pull it, peel it back, everybody's a person and everybody wants love and to feel connected and like nobody wants to be left alone and the amount of lonely people in this world fucking destroys me like (laughs) and then sometimes it can be so disheartening when you're trying all the time to push that and change that and like there are so many people that just don't care or don't want to to change it or are so stuck in their own minds but then also finding that balance i don't know something i personally struggle with if you can't tell how much this fucking roots me um is like finding a balance of still being able to take care of myself and find joy in the life when i feel how much pain is in this world and like how can we as a society address that because i think that's what will change everything for everybody Mm. and i mean i know it's not as simple as that but like no i don't think i mean there's never a simple solution to any problem right especially a problem that's this has so many layers of as a society it's a it's a, a organic thing which has been growing for like thousands of years yeah but we've got the society growing right and more and more people but people are more and more isolated and how do we change that like yeah even me who has more friends than i know what to do with and i love them more dearly and a lot of it's kind of my own mindset or like insecurities or childhood experience coming in i think hot um but i feel so isolated and disconnected so much of the time like i just feel like an alien in a fishbowl which is funny because a lot of people say i'm super relatable and they really appreciate what i share and often people will say to me like i don't necessarily understand your experience because i have gone through some stuff that maybe not everybody has gone through um I still either feel isolated or isolate myself in it. And this comes, I guess, back down to the thing of like, <laughs> I've started rethinking this idea of identifying as a dinosaur. I'm trying to take the power of it, that like it's going to give me the freedom to be the child that I feel like I never got to be and like address that, that yearning. But at the same time, I need to be mindful but to, to address myself not as human because that also doesn't grant me humanity. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not actually giving me the chance to make mistakes or to feel lonely or whatever. I've always got to be this way or that way. Or maybe I think of it the other way because I haven't been able to find that freedom as a human. Like I'm a dinosaur that can cry. Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's a, it's funny. I was like, how are we going to get onto your topic that you talked about earlier? But we pretty much have full circle just ended up here just in terms of like, yeah, feeling different, feeling isolated and how do we broach that and how do we keep seeking out similarities? And I always find myself surprised at receiving praise, even from my closest people. You feel like you don't, 
don't necessarily deserve it. Yeah, well, because I, I, I was away for like nine days and I went in the other day to um, go check on the crew about how this event's coming through because I haven't had much to give. I just got the warmest welcome and they were so excited to see me. And here I was like ready to come in and explain myself and apologize profusely and put myself on a butchering block. And they were just like happy to see me and nobody expected anything of me. And I keep feeling like there's all this pressure on me, but it's all my own. I, it's again that quote, eh? Um, I'm not what I, oh, fuck, I need to, I think I actually almost need to get this as a tattoo. I'm not what I think I am and I'm not who you think I am. I'm who I think you think I am. Yep. And I get caught in that constantly. I just expect everyone to be pissed off with me. I, one of the reasons that massage training was so triggering, right, is I was in it with four, uh, three other women that were doing the training, and then there was the trainer, and she had a assistant teacher and really got along with the assistant teacher as well. So that crew was great. Did a bunch of yoga, cried a bunch. Had vulnerability with not only women but with strangers, which is something I'm not great at. And so it got slightly better over the week. But I still felt those walls coming up again and again and again. And I felt so trapped by those walls because I didn't necessarily want them there, but I just didn't know how to ask anyone to hold me in that space. And then we got to the final day and we were doing our final massage, which wasn't an assessment. Like it didn't determine whether you graduate or not, but it was just so we could have like full practice of the full situation, pretending we're all professional, da 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 I shouldn't say pretend you're a professional. I have been trained. I know how to do it. Um, and I happened to get the assistant teacher. And for some reason that got me more in my head. And I was, despite like throughout the week, getting lots of affirmation that like already a lot of my technique, my pressure was good. And even going into that training, I already had a good idea of how to give a massage, but I wanted to understand how to connect more and the actual rhythm of it and blah, blah, blah. So I was going into it to hone intuition. I also signed up to a holistic training as well. So like I kind of knew what I wanted, but I didn't expect it to be so uncomfortable and so triggering. And so even with that final massage, despite, again, lots of affirmation, I had my technique down, I was ready to be told, oh, you didn't put enough pressure or you missed a move or whatever. So that's what I meant. Like I was ready for a person that had already received multiple massages from me and who had already told me you're doing great and hadn't had much uh, criticism I was preparing for her to rip me apart for the actual application of the massage per se um, and I hope she won't mind me sharing the story but um, when we came out of it she was really shaken and I was kind of oh you know give me your feedback but she, I, I could see she was really shaken and that really uh, put me on edge and I was kind of like okay so what's the deal and she said technique she's like you know you're great like you did it. You even matched my breath. But she's like, your energy. And to hear that after a whole week of, like, breaking through my own walls, through crying a bunch and that sort of thing, that it came down to my energy again or rather, like, whatever I was channeling regardless kind of broke my heart, which was also that thing I isolated myself because I felt like I'd done the work to get past that I'm, it's something I'm always insecure about but I think the number one also um, 
external criticism or comment I've had throughout my life is like, you're super great, but your energy is too much or, or too little or too heavy. Yeah. Especially in a setting like that, it gives me, uh, it gives me deja vu from coaching in a sense of, it doesn't matter what you, what I think I'm putting out. It matters how I'm perceived. And if they're taking, they're, they're in a vulnerable position, right? You're treating them. They're usually half naked, right? If they perceive your energy to be off, they're going to change. So it's, it's trying to get into that person's head and be like, okay, how do I understand this individual and then adapt how I'm giving off so then they feel comfortable? But see, I think, I, hear, I totally hear what you're saying. I think the disconnect I found within myself is like, I'm pretty good at picking up if someone else feels off to an extent. I might not entirely understand it, but like I recognize body language and what's off and all that. But I think, again, it just comes down to that isolation of self. I just don't like myself very much. Why? I always think I do, and then something comes up where it's like, well, it's not, no, it's not that I don't like myself. Like, I actually really like all my quirks and that sort of thing. I just presume nobody else is going to like them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not so much about how I actively perceive me. I believe I have worth, and if I go take myself into a lodge and alone, or a little cabin or whatever alone, I have no issues. I don't sit there and fucking hate on myself. It's in relation to other people that I do not trust myself and that I do not understand why they would care for me and feeling like a burden upon them. I don't feel a burden upon myself. Like I don't feel like I am as a person a burden upon myself. But I do have this mindset where I've got caught in and I think so much of it is from misunderstandings from childhood of like, being told something and taking it one way, even if it was meant another way. Um, that now there's like this, just this instilled belief that like my presence, my energy, which is why it was so triggering is such a, like a drag mm. on everybody else for one way or another. And so in there, I started to isolate myself and then now, yeah, I still catch myself feeling really isolated. I'm lucky I've got a good enough community around me to help draw me out when I get into those spaces and just like generally remind me. But that's, I guess, why my heart breaks for people that like have to live on the streets or like there are a lot of people that don't have that support around them. And I remember a time when I didn't feel like I had that support around me or I wasn't as good at asking for it or just being like, hey, I need a bit of a reassurance or, and that's what I want to find a way to like, to target. Like I really care about the ocean, but I also really care about the well-being of the lonely and the underdogs and people that for one reason or another didn't have the best start and it's not giving them the best middle. And like life, you know, I used to think equality was everything and now I think it's equity, right? Like sometimes some people are going to need to be given more or have more opportunities in order to bring them to the same level than other people. Like it's not, it's the same thing with 
if we want to change racist culture as well. Like, there's a reason, say, with Otago Med, they have specific scholarships available for Māori and Pacifica students, and that sometimes that might override non um, Māori and Pacifica students in terms of getting in, so they might get have a lower grade, but, like, they've also been disadvantaged in the past and underestimated in the past and maybe not had the same resources available, so they need a chance to get in. And also having that representation in that space is so important. And, and maybe our white privilege might not see that, but, like, if you are Māori or Pacifica or, or frankly any other race other than white... <laughs> Um, being able, you know, like it, it shows in representation how important that is, right? And how much more comfortable you'll be. So we need to be able to give minorities a leg up in order to find actual equality. It's not just a case of like both getting the same because it's still, even if you bring them to the same level now, they're already still five steps back from the previous rat race, if that makes sense. <clears throat> I can see that perspective. Um, I think if you swing the pendulum the other way, then the pendulum is always going to keep swinging. And the way to stop uh, margins of society bastardizing the other one is to not give one of them a leg up. It's to give everyone equal, in my opinion. But, but do, I also... Do you, okay, but... With that, say, Otago Med example, I've had this conversation with a few people. Okay. Um, do you not recognise that those students, in order to be able to get into med school, in order to be able to match the grades of, say, white students per se, that they are already disadvantaged in the fact that they might have... Like, I don't know the exact statistics. I don't want to pretend I know everything about it, and yeah. I certainly don't want to pretend I know their lived experience of it. But, like... Typically, um, like schooling's affected, whether you have tutoring available, whether your family comes from money, like all those things that like the only way, not the only way, I'm not saying that there are students that can't rise to the occasion, but like in order to have equal representation, there does need to be a leg up or those students will never get into med school and we will never have that representation in med school. Yeah, for, I mean, firstly, I'm going to say I don't know the answer, right? I don't know the answer to anything. So I'm always open to let's fucking try something and figure it out. And if it doesn't work, let's try something else, right? Um, but all those examples, to me, comes off as a social issue. You bet our society's riddled with those. Yeah, as in socioeconomic. If there's a disparity in skills, if they went to a decile, whatever it is, to, is it zero or seven? Lower decile. If they went to a lower one, I was like, well, okay. Anyone can go to a lower decile skill. If they didn't have enough money for a tutor, anyone could be in that position. You know, I also come from a biased perspective of, I come from a socially divided country rather than a racially divided country. And I see everybody in the same boat yeah, but there is also grants and scholarships for kids and, and hardship things. What my argument more so, okay, even if you take race out of it, right, 
there is a lot of come down from the uh, again I want to be slightly PC about this the more privileged students right the students that have regardless of what race regardless of where they've come from that come from families of money have had tutors I'm not doubting that they work their ass off to get the good grades and that sort of thing but they've had a bunch of legs up right and there's this whole argument about all these students that have yeah super high grades they've worked harder they've got higher grades than these other students that maybe haven't been able to get as high grades and they're not getting into med school because those positions need to be filled by diversifying who we have there right um so maybe the real thing is like is there a way that we can grant more spots within med school realistically do you know what i mean yeah, and I think there's a there's a lot of benefit of having a diversity of within the workforce of graduating, you know, doctors and nurses of from everywhere, different socioeconomic wow, backgrounds, a, different especially when you're doing medical trauma in any of that. Oh yeah, you become more relatable. Exactly, you actually want people that have come from again. I don't want to say troubled backgrounds. I don't want to like. What's the word? I Dude, don't want to patronise not... people like that. No, but... no, no, no. You know what my upbringing was like? We come from the mud. No, but, that, but that's what it, like, uh, I would see more benefit of having, not that I think you should be a doctor. You're doing great what you do. But <laughs> I would, I would, and that's also coming from, I guess, a funny childhood um, and just being a bit different myself. I would feel more comfortable seeing a doctor. Fr- frankly, I'd almost be more comfortable seeing even... Um, Your grandma's calling. That's my alarm. I don't know why I have an alarm for this hour. Oh, that's important. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We can wrap up. We can wrap up. No, no, no. Um, It's just a reminder of something I have to do after this. Cool. Um, Oh, got lost. Yeah, I would rather see a doctor from a less privileged background, whatever, that has some relatability than a doctor that doesn't understand. It's it's like fucking going, I don't know if you've ever been to the doctor for your mental health. And there are some doctors that just, I don't know, other than obviously experiencing burnout because we just have a general shortage of 100%. medical professionals. Um, I've definitely been and seen doctors that haven't necessarily experienced uh, childhood as I have, yes. just for example. Yes. I don't want to say they haven't had their own traumas, their own stresses, da, 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 or they have had no impression with mental health. But yeah, I have gone to see doctors that haven't had that understanding or the same thing, right? Like me going to see a male doctor for my endometriosis yep. is a joke. They'll be like, your periods are supposed to hurt that much. I'm like, there's a disconnect of empathy and, um, yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, 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 I believe in. We should be able to create a world where whatever you want to do, you should be able to go do it. Obviously, competition is going to play a factor. Of like, I'm not going to make it in the NBA. I'm five ten on a good day, right? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to the Olympics for a hundred meter sprint. Like, I can barely even get up and go to the ice cream van within five seconds. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna run that quick. I think competition does play a factor. However, the opportunity of kids being able to do it, adults being able to just try something or get into a school and education. And I think, yeah, we need to, we need to look at the whole education system. 
you know, more diplomas, more vocational stuff, more, um, what do they call it, coursework, rather than you're going to sit in an exam hall for four hours and you're going to answer this question and you're going to make a beautifully, mm. like, not a lot of kids work like that. They could be phenomenal, insert whatever job you want, but they don't work like that. And now we're just going to, like, chop them all off and be like, yeah, you're shy. It's like, no. I think you've just point on to a very, like, Oh, my brain is lighting up hearing that, all of that, actually. Competition, right? I, literally just a week ago, I swear every time we have this podcast, something comes up that's so prominent and freshly in my mind. I was just reading, and, like, I already knew when I studied Tefariki doing early childhood education, um, one of the things we learned about was, uh, say, with kids, if they do a good job of something, you don't say good girl, good boy for doing the job. You say, hey, thank you so much for helping with this job because that's uh, appreciating their behavior but not attaching it to their value. Do you know what I mean? Like, so because kids interpret that right as, oh, I didn't do the dishes today, so I'm not a good kid. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? And so it's not inherently about being good or bad, but competition has become so beyond even things like the Olympics and that sort of thing, which, I mean, like, I understand it, but also maybe it's just because I don't have a personal appreciation with sport other than maybe the gymnastics because it's fun. Um, I actually think competition now, as you're saying, that is the biggest issue, right? Like, growing up, um, you know, one of the things, it would, it would be like a, you don't get dessert if you don't eat all your dinner or um, quickest person to brush their teeth wins. Or it was always made as a competition, right? Because it does motivate people. There's an element of it that I think is important. But, like, especially when you're a kid and you start absorbing that as your value. Or, like, I think of um, my sister and I growing up. I was so jealous of my sister growing up. And I felt like everyone wanted her. But then so for so often I know that my sister felt jealous of my relationship with my dad. Whereas she wasn't as close with him for a while. And again, it's those different hierarchies. I saw her as being super popular with all the people and all the boys wanted her because I used to think that was important. Um, and she saw her, hey, dad's paying more attention to you. Whereas I actually felt like dad was paying attention to her because she was a little bit more open about some of the things she was struggling with, right? And she was able to express them a little bit more, whereas I didn't say anything. I was just there taking care of them. Um and I, and I think about that dynamic a lot. And we've, as a family, like, all talked about it and worked through it a lot. And I'm really, really grateful for the both of them. Um, but I think of that, say, across the board with everybody, right, in terms of competition and exams and and all this constantly pitting children against each other. And one of the things you just said, um, even just the, the, the possibility to try something. But we are now so afraid to try because we are only taught how to win. Do you know what I mean? Well, I can I, I I can see that perspective. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned within competition, but I think we need to do a better job. It's not like the be on our end or the win, mate. You know. Yeah, but like I think competition needs to not be attached to value. Yeah, and exactly. they, they they introduced what is it called? Um, participation awards to try and like negate that, but in some senses that's almost more patronising. One, because the kid that's worked so hard to win and has won then feels like their win isn't enough 
because everybody else is also being applauded for participating. And then, okay, no, actually, I don't think it's so much about competition. We need to change how we teach kids to value. Yeah. I think, I think, I think competition is healthy. I don't think it should be everything. I disagree with a participation thing. I completely agree with an effort thing. Little Jimmy, like you tried your fucking ass off. You it's like, Jimmy. it's always Jimmy, right? It's always Jimmy. Jimmy, Timmy, Johnny. You absolutely <laughs> nailed that. And you don't even, you don't even bring up that he came last. You know, it's like you put in so much goddamn work. I'm so proud of that effort. Let's go get ice cream. Rather than like, mm. little cunt, you didn't, you didn't win. Because mm. then you breathe. That's, that's also again, right? So like, if they let's think of like a school prize giving, whatever. That is where as well, and across the board, everyone needs to learn to value themselves better. Because let's say you have a parent that uh, wasn't taught how to value themselves. They will not know how to celebrate their child not winning because they were taught to win, right? Mm -hmm. If we have adults that are secure in their value because they've come from a childhood of being taken care of and nurtured in their value, then they are very likely to be like, it doesn't matter that you didn't win. We'll go and do something anyway. Mm -hmm. And we'll celebrate that you tried. So, like, <laughs> generationally, there's also a lot of issues. If we can start now... I mean, we've, this has been a subject that's been up for a while, but like if we can really start pushing to teach inner value, regardless of what you achieve, regardless of needing to achieve anything, right? It's that I am enough as I am. I am enough. I exist. Therefore, I am enough. I am in a human body. I am enough. There is no... Because then, then if it's a competition, it really is just a competition. It's like a one with these skills, but it doesn't define me as a person. Yeah, it's it's taken out the identity um from the and act the ego. that you're doing oh ego ego is a really funny thing man like that's that's a really really in-depth topic right because i think everybody needs to do something to kill their ego every single day just one thing the the uh, well ego is fear right it depends what kind of is though because it's the ego exists like of like a I need to be accepted whether that's by myself or someone else. And it's a fear of not, of not being accepted. I think. But that's your relationship with ego. What would you say your relationship with ego is? Um, my, I, I think every man is two men. One they're trying to be and one they're trying to kill. But we'll never do either. That's, and that's again though, it's that black and white mindset. That's just, as a whole blanket statement naturally where males tend to go right again blank blanket statement there's there's females that think like this non-binary that think like this males that don't whatever the point is that's kind of where we tend to go it's fight or flight that's this where we're comfortable right um and my relationship with ego is I can't give that motherfucker an inch because um, it's an aggressive thing that wants to kill everybody and destroy things. And if everything's dead and on fire, it can't hurt me. Oof. 
it's like it's it's really like mine goes crazy mine goes like super extreme so i'm like if i'm capable of that right because i think everybody's capable of of anything right but if i'm capable of going that so far that way that means i'm also capable of going so far that way so if that means i control it and i don't let that motherfucker con control me then i can use that energy in passion and go so far the other way and spread love rather than rather than aggression so I, I've got to keep that motherfucker all locked up. Because, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think we all have buttons, right? And I used to have a lot of big red buttons. And the wind changing direction would press them all. Right? And I'd be ready. To, it was weird. It was like you snapped your fingers. And the, the character that I related to the most was Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hart as a kid. I learned about the story and I was like, oh, that's written about me. I was like, no, it's... It's France, mate. Like talking about a, a chemist, and I'm like, no, no, that's written about me. Like I, I feel exactly what what they're tell what they're talking about. And then you know, as you start to figure yourself out a little bit more, you, you develop a relationship with yourself. You're like, oh, okay. Well, now I no longer hate myself for that. Now I no longer try and change myself and be like, you're wrong. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, this is kind of who it is. All right, great. So how am I able to use Mister Hyde? And Mr. Hyde comes out in the gym, you know, comes out in the gym, comes out when I do charity events. It comes out sometimes when I write, kind of. Comes out in passion. I'm like, I'm going to take, like you said, aggression is a great, is a great tool. I use it. You like it the way I say tool, don't you, motherfucker? I'll use that, but I don't let him do anything else. And I got a lot of good people around me and they taught me communication because usually I just see you later. I'm out. Cause if he's going to take control, I'm done. Um, but now I can communicate of like, Hey, I just need like 10 minutes and I'm, I'm just happy. I'm sitting with myself. I'm no longer trying to punch through a wall, but I see a lot of kids, whether it's growing up and now leaving that environment, whether I've traveled around the UK coaching, travel around this country coaching, just going to different places, talking to people, talking to people over different time zones. Like everyone's a goddamn same, right? Of like, they got these massive buttons, but they're never taught one how to not let Mister Hyde take over, and two to give themselves permission to have that. And I think it's so important. We talk to these people, talk to the kids, and I think even just you and I having a conversation about it right now. It just helps. Seeing other people, oh, okay, I'm not just crazy. No, mate, you're not crazy. It means you're human. But the problem is, like, now you've got two options. You can go down a good route or a bad route. What's the um, good wolf, bad wolf, which one do we want to feed, eh? Yeah, which one do you want to feed? It's balanced, though. But I. Th <laughs> but they both got to eat. The, the Well, yeah, the, the way I've, since in the last year, and maybe it's through this, real intensive journey trying to like learn about true compassion and I'm not talking about compassion for other people because I also don't think that's how to figure it out for other people it's finding compassion for yourself and in that recognizing so many of us for whatever reason or another there's definitely probably some people that are pretty damn well rounded but even then they'll still have it come up we are all children we're always trying still trying to learn we're all stri still trying to connect and all that 
and it's like holding like when I have especially a really reactive emotion come up now and this is just from habit this is not something that's been easy to to implement but when a really a emotive reactive comes out my usual pause now is not to take a deep breath in and be like get rid of that emotion or dismiss this emotion or whatever or, or a lot of the say typical things but now it's usually actually like okay which child is this you know which and a child is coming up right now and saying i need because i feel like there's so many versions of ourselves right now let's read this uh, this really good video about how like we're not just the age we are now we're still every single age we've we've lived do you know what i mean because those lives have all counted up to where we are now just because it's our birthday mm -hmm. doesn't mean we're suddenly that age we're still you know, I just turned 26, but I'm still, still 25, still 24, still 20, like three, all, all the way down. I've still got all those different ages in me and what was present in those ages in my body to a certain extent, like that energy is still held. And so, especially if there was an experience that was uh, traumatic or painful or sometimes like even really beautiful, that's a really potent like capsule of that age, right? And so when something comes up and I find a, a motive reaction, whether that's crying, even sometimes whether that's joy coming out, um, anger, anything like that, it's like, okay, hang on, which, which of those children are here? What do they need? How can I use what I know about that age now to support them or even like channel that, that child or that age coming out right now to either free me up or to use that productively? So if I'm in a situation and I get triggered, it's like, oh, hang on. Yep, there's 14-year-old me that someone made one shitty comment about my glasses to. Right. Take a breath. Um, what did I need at that age? What, what's First off, what settled me at that age? So try to think about that as best as you can. Try to do something that settles you. And then be like, what was the really great things? I had at that age, what was, what was my superpowers? Like I've been really trying to get in touch with like 10 year old me was a fucking power horse. Absolute. And that was, it's funny as well. Cause the age 10 is when I had uh, a lot of really upsetting things happen. And I had some of my biggest injuries because I had a big motorbike accident with my dad. Um, when I was training as a trampolinist, I got um, coached how to change my somersault and landed on one of the main vertebrae in my neck. Mm. Um, and so a lot happened, but also at 10, 9, 10, I was a ferocious activist. I didn't give a fuck what anyone thought. I mismatched my clothes all the time, didn't overthink about it. Like this morning even, sat there for like five minutes being like, what clothes are we going to wear together? And I was like, this is, I don't have time for this. This is procrastinating because whatever, I'm nervous or I feel like I need to present a certain way or whatever. It's just, you don't ever have to be nervous. No, 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 I know. But I'm just saying this is what the process was that was okay. coming out. Um, and so, right, like, it's funny because the, the traumatized 10-year-old doesn't come up because that 10-year-old was fire. But now that I've learned how to, when the the ages come up that get triggered, I've also in that learned to tune into the ages that don't get triggered but had a lot of power, right? And so I can draw from that. Or if I'm in an environment where suddenly I'm afraid to play or I'm on a dance floor and I'm self-conscious about people watching, I'm like, eight-year-old me, come in strong, activate let's dance and so and it's it's kind of i guess finding you know like what you're saying with that aggression that you feel i would say that personally from my experience and like interpreting from you that aggression will be coming from different parts of your childhood that's that weren't acknowledged weren't adjusted 
everyone has their own way of approaching these things, which is great. Um, and so you've found a way to use that, you know, and like to have an outlet for it, right. And create a space for it, whether you mean it to be a space for your inner child or not. And I used to think it was a bit of pish posh hearing about inner children. And now I'm like really trying to build a relationship because mm. for so much of my life, yeah, I have felt stuck between the three-year-old when my mum died. I just, I've always had this image in my head of just a three-year-old with their hand outstretched because I've always been looking for my mum's hand to hold. And for so long, I've caught myself missing mum because I've romanticized this idea that she would have been able to give me the comfort I needed, forgetting that, Yes, although it's in some ways sad that I had to be so independent as a child, I did build strength with myself. I did carry myself through my childhood. So I can be that hand that reaches down now. And at the same time, there was a part of me that had to mature so quickly that I feel it's like encapsulated kind of, not to dismiss anyone in the lap, but like just this kind of figure of like this grumpy old 70-year-old um, sort of lady, which I guess has also helped me push away my femininity because I've just... I've seen the frustration in that and that's how it's been idealized. Um, but now in that, right, like, oh, actually, I'm, just as I'm thinking about this, this is quite beautiful. I think I need to turn this into an art piece or something. Um, and working in rest homes, right, and seeing all those old people, all they needed was someone else to reach out and connect. And it's, again, that moment of connection. And so either I think I'm, oh, my God, well, yep. I'm starting to become a bridge between those two hands that are outstretched in different ways, but I'm also finding a way to get them to hold each other's hands, right? Because a 75-year-old's heart can be softened by a three-year-old that just wants love, and the three-year-old just needs someone solid with the wisdom to be able to hold them. And so if I can connect myself to hold each other, then I have endless capacity and a lifetime of experience to then guide me and push me and pay attention to my intuition and my gut and my heart for how I need to approach things because if I can find that compassion and connection within myself, I can help facilitate it for other people. Do you, do you think your present self is linking your past self and your future self? What is though? Do you think it's just linking those two together and that is who you are right now? You just, you just painted like an image in my head and it, and it really has blown my mind. Like, what do you mean? It's like a trip. I'm just like, we're not really here. We're just kind of literally just linking through. Well, the we government. are though, right? I, it, I am essentially time traveling. Yes, through emotion. Yes, yes. Because yeah. I already have a lifetime of experience. Not to dismiss that there's many more things to learn, but like because of what I have experienced, right? There is this, this age, but there is also... You know, I'm a three-year-old and a 75-year-old, but they're both missing things because I've never drawn them together. And also, like, I am only 26, right? And, and I missed a lot of my childhood, and I'm not yet 75. But I have those, those internal wisdoms, those intuition that I was naturally born with, and I think we are all born with to an extent. And if I can pull those together and bring them in, I think that's why I've always connected with children and older people so easily because I've, I know that what children quite simply need. So I've been able to be present for that. And with elderly, I have such a respect and a curiosity for them because I've always been able to relate to that part of them. And I think I've actually isolated myself from people my own age for such a long time until a few years ago when I found kind of this whole crazy arts community and that because I was so kind of stuck between them. But now 
I'm recognizing that maybe my ability to be able to connect with most people is for the fact that because of how my life has gone, I have such an expansive mm. experience with different ages and hiccups and obstacles and an intuition and an awareness, which helps to create compassion for others. I just need to start getting better at applying it to myself because I'm not alone. And in fact, my weirdness consistently has been what has given other people permission to be themselves. And that's the feedback I get the most often, you know, people are like, I'm so grateful for the, ba- the, the ability. If I'm around you, I know I can do something silly and you'll celebrate it or join in or watch with delight. You know, like it's, it's never a case of, like I encourage that pushing and I recognize that pushing and I, but then at the same time, yeah, I think I can get critical when I see people not push pushing when I think they should be pushing and that's a pressure to push, but there's so many layers to it. But basically I think I'm probably doing a lot better than I think I am. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, I think so too. mate. <laughs> I think so too. I think you need to take the expectation and a bit of pressure off yourself. Yeah. We're um, working on that one. We're all a work in progress. Yeah. You know, but it's funny what you say about the inner child, and uh, I go back to understand myself. But with my psyche, I need—I'm I'm trying to become someone. But you're already becoming someone. Exactly, but I'm always trying to become someone. But also, you always were someone. Yes, but I need something to chase. I hear you. I totally hear you. But I think also that idea that you need to chase something. Yeah, chasing dreams. You know, pushing your external bounds fucking all for it um and always growing yeah so long as you can recognize that or this is maybe just my perception of it everybody has a different thing but like part of it as a kid you felt like you needed something to chase to keep you grounded whatever until you were chasing those things so there is even an element of like just acknowledging to that inner child like you don't good you don't you're going to be everything you need to be. You don't need a, it's, mm, it's, uh, yes, yeah, it's chasing without the expectation. Or, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. That's, that's, that is me in a sentence because I need something to chase, but I don't need to know what it is. Just moving forward. Like I just gotta, I just gotta go for something. At the same time, we're always moving forward, aren't we? Which I guess is how you have the freedom to not have expectation because Wherever you go, you're always going somewhere. Yeah, and I think experience is the best thing. You know, even if and, it goes horribly wrong, it's still somewhere. Exactly, and even if you sat down meditating, you know, you're experiencing something. You're going to learn something from it. There's always a lesson laced within everything. Mm. Oof. That's also, I feel like this has been the rambliest podcast of whether other people have got any wisdom for it, I hope. Welcome to the show, mate. This is what I've, <laughs> this is what I've been doing for the past three years. It's just talking shit, stick my heart right here, and I appreciate everybody that's going to do the same and just fucking talk from it, you know? Like, I got no expectation about any conversation. It can go whichever way you want. And I'm just going to click a button. We're going to talk shit and drink coffee. Maybe red wine next time. You're not ready for me on red wine, mate. Red wine, feeling <laughs> fine. Garbage. Fine. <laughs> we had a Bordeaux red wine the other day, and holy shit, it was phenomenal. Like, I'm not a wine guy. I'll, I'll drink anything, whatever. But I'm not a wine guy. Like, it used to give me a headache, like, real bad. If I, like, took a sip, I get a real bad headache. 
Not just a hangover. But holy shit, this wine. I was like, this could take me out. You know, we do a bit of fine dining. I talked to it. I serenade it a little bit. You know, just elongate foreplay just because you're having such a great time. I feel like I need to do that to myself. I need to seduce myself. I'm not even meaning in a sexy way. I'm just meaning in general. And if I can take myself out for dinner and solo dates be are the like, best. Ooh, look at you, babe. Look at you go. Wow, don't you look fire today? I do not have enough. Lately in my journal, I've been finding I just keep writing out affirmations because whenever I try to write out anything else, I overthink it. Because again, it's just, just what I keep coming to. And I like have such a strong intuition and gut. And I have since I was a kid. And one of the best things I took away from massage training, right, is that like sensitivity is the new superpower and my sensitivity is my strength. And when I was crying, I was sitting there being like, my sensitivity is my strength. My sensitivity is my strength because it's why people connect with me so easily and why I don't usually have to work very hard to create an element of natural chemistry, presuming that I'm open to it. If I go into it defensive, which does happen, or if I'm grumpy or tired or depleted, I won't be present. But if I'm in a good space, for me, it's effortless. And that's because of my sensitivity. But I've often punished myself for my sensitivity. Um, mm. And that's something I don't want to do anymore. I Sorry, I've still just really got that mental image in my mind of like me being the bridge between times and like reconnecting that wisdom that's already always been there. And I know everything I need to know to move to where I need to be if I just trust it and if I hold myself in it. Big shifts, man. Thank you. I got a question. <laughs> what is your question? I'm we, nervous now looking at those eyeballs. <laughs> oh, we usually, usually finish on the three questions. You've had the three questions. You've been drilled before. That's That's the wrong way of saying it. But anyway with questions um what's something that other people what's something that you don't care about that other people really do It's funny, the first thing that came to mind, I automatically kind of overthought. I, let's say with attraction, right? And whether this is friends, lovers, partners, whatever. I hear people talk about how like, you know, that physical draw to someone is really important. And like, sure, it's an element. I understand it, but like, I'm far too worried about how I look to worry about how you look. Like if you make me feel good, I really don't give a fuck what's on the outside. I don't care what your bits are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you're bald or you have super long, dank, grotty hair. Well, uh, I'm a bit smell sensitive. So like hygiene aware. Um, I don't, I don't really care what clothes you wear and all that. The only time I find myself ever, say, uh, getting caught on physical appearance is if I see something in them that I am insecure about. And I'm so insecure about my appearance that all the 
I'm projecting insecurity purely. But like in terms of attraction or who I'm drawn to, it's not really ha- about how you look. But then actually I think that's actually a collective consciousness. We just don't acknowledge it very often that most of the time why we're so fixated on how other people look is because we're fixated on how we look or what we think other people will think of um, how someone looks that we're interacting with, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. I got real deep. <laughs> it wasn't meant to get that deep. And that, like, so I said, as I said it, I kind of realized it's not quite as simple as like nobody else cares about it or that I don't entirely care about it. But like if you lined up all the people I've had with as partners, like everybody fucking likes their own cup of tea their own way. Do you know what I mean? Or are they just like having a surprise cup of tea? There is. That's got to be there, the best way of putting it I've ever heard. Yeah, but there, there is someone for everything. And I, I, I went through um, a serial dating phase, shall we call it, and a bit of a social experiment on Tinder. I went on 51 first dates in six months. What? Yeah, it was, a, it was a time and it taught me a lot. It taught me a fuck ton. But I was also so desperately seeking validation. But I couldn't really connect with any of them because I wasn't really truly meaning it. And it was a bit of a social experiment. 51. Six months. Mm-hmm. How many weeks were in six months? Uh, 26. That, that's two days a week. Mate, I went on four dates in one day. How? <laughs> How would you have time, mate? I don't have sw- time to swing my dick. Never mind anything else. Like I don't know. Regardless, it was an insane experience. And one of the, because, oh God, I care about people so much. And I, God, I remember one of my guy friends in school offering to take my virginity as though it was a favor to me because I'd always felt bad for my guy friends that couldn't get any. So I would regularly be like, oh, I can do it for you. <laughs> I was very insecure. There's so many lies there. I really wish I hadn't actually said that one out loud. <laughs> I haven't had the best relationship with masks thanks to some lovely, lovely, lovely things that happened when I was um, younger. Um, but on this, the serial dating phase, right, one of the things I, I did is um, because I had all the, heard these guys saying, oh, you know, I'm a nice guy, nobody gives me a chance, da 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 I went through a phase where I was like, whoever asked me on a date, I would say yes regardless if I have an initial draw or anything. I just wanted to test out okay. and like give everybody a fair chance because they always say that femmes don't do that, whatever. Oh, this is all generalization. I went on so many dates and didn't connect with many of them. Um, but in that, across the board, I really recognized in terms of attraction the people I would connect with and whether I was open to that connection and how aesthetics can be as broad as you allow them to be if you're paying attention to what's like in here for someone. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, everyone a chance and no matter what they look like. And because I felt guilty when I would swipe left on people for just how they looked, right? Like there was still an aesthetic Except for me, it wasn't so much like the, anyone that was shirtless anywhere on Tinder, unless it was like already like hanging at a beach and like chill. But any sort of like remotely posed gym selfie or super posed beach selfie was like, no, sunglasses, no. So there's a few automatic things where I was just like, uh, 
if you're that fixated, then that's either going to make me more fixated or you're probably not going to appeal. I'm probably not going to appeal to you. So I shut myself off from that. You have to make it exclusive somehow. But there were also some people that just didn't look very social or confident that I kind of just went. Oops. Um, but I had this really beautiful moment in regards to this tea analogy, right? Where I was suddenly one day and I was feeling so guilty that I was swiping left on all these people when I didn't even know it was in their heart. But that was also having just gone on like 51 dates with anyone and everyone and recognizing that no matter how hard you try, you will not connect with everyone. Like out of those people, only a couple of them did I actually connect with. There were a lot of people that I liked as people, but like beyond that, no. Um, and I had this moment of, right, like these people I'm swiping left on, there's someone out there that would swipe right on almost everyone. You know what I mean? Unless you've really like presented yourself poorly on your profile, but that may be just a lack of internal confidence or just not knowing how to market yourself as per se. It's not to say that you're not a person that's worthy of love, but you also need to believe in that yourself to put yourself out there, to be open to it. So it's a whole kind of loop thing, but yeah. And recognizing that, and also like recognizing, even though I swept swiping like left on these people that, you know, were doing gym selfies, they weren't for me, but for someone out there, they would be like, hell yeah, I'm here for this bro and his gym. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what floats your boat. Doesn't matter what fucking kinks you have. Doesn't there is? I guarantee you. And even if not necessarily on a romantic level, which there will be at some point anyway, but even on like a person level, doesn't matter how fucking strange you are, how weird you are, how whatever. There will be someone out there for you, and it actually brings me back to probably one of the only sort of relationships that went a bit sour for me that I don't really understand. And it was barely a relationship, but um, his favorite quote was who you aren't isn't interesting. Ooh. Right. I don't like that. You don't like that. No. Cause who I'm not, I find fascinating. No, but it, it's within yourself, right? It's meant as like a, Maybe, maybe I didn't say the exact quote right, but it's meant as like, we present authentically, right? That's what makes us interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily in relation to how we relate to other people. Oh, how you're portraying yourself. Yeah. So right. I went a different way. Yeah. Trying to not Understood. be yourself is not interesting. It's not occupying. It's Understood. not. Um, then I like it. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. I just went a completely different yeah, way. I can sense that. <laughs> so that helped me a lot and also finding compassion for my own quirks in the sense of, and as well with the 51 first dates, even just recognizing that that many people were curious about me meant that there was something to be curious about, even if I didn't connect with them. And it wasn't to dismiss my value that I didn't connect with many of them, but just to recognize that I'm unique. Oh, a friend put it really beautifully once where they said, yes, you're a big personality. You got big energy. You got big fucking baggage, which I try to own now. Just put it in a nicer bag and fucking get stronger. Coco um, Chanel. Fuck no. No. But regardless, they were like, you know, the reason you probably don't connect really deeply with a lot of people um, or especially feel anything romantic or sexual because it's not an often thing for me. Or if it is, it's very fleeting and can disappear like that. Um, 
is because when you're a slightly more unusual person like myself or have a lot going on or that sort of thing, like I need, I don't need someone to match my energy, but like I'm going to need a pretty cool, unique person. One, to feel secure enough to be with me, respect me, call me out my shit, also care for me and love me and reassure me so that it's not a relationship, say, of pedestaling. Because there's a lot of people that have wanted to be with me, but I sensed it wasn't ever going to be a sense of equality or like they're on slightly different wavelengths. So they either need me to be their cheerleader or their inspiration. Whereas if I'm in a partnership or even with a friendship, I don't want to have to be the better or the worse. I just want to walk beside you, you know? Mm -hmm. So in order to be able to find someone that can either keep up or not feel emasculated and that comes from female, male, in between, whatever, by how quickly I move, I need someone who can relatively like walk on the same length or they can recognize that sometimes one of us will walk a bit further out or the other or whatever. Um, which is where I think for me, my attraction with other people is like, it, it doesn't matter what job you're doing. It doesn't really matter how much you're working. It's like, if I see that you have heart for, for change, you're working on your relationship with yourself you're passionate to move forward, even if that's not always happening consistently. I would rather that than someone that's striving for only one thing. And that, yeah, there's a fucking, there's a basket for everybody out there. There's mm -hmm. always people you will find you match, but there will also be people you find who, and sometimes the best people for you are the ones who are actually the most confronting. Because <laughs> if they're confronting, they're confronting for a reason and there's something you need to address. Or I can meet people like you who, are, who on some levels, I reckon people could see us hanging out and be like, I don't get how these two people connect. But we sort out the similarities between us rather than the differences. And also we are open to hearing each other's differences. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Or like willing to learn or whatever. Yeah. Or as well, we just hang out in the capacity of what brings us together, not in what where we differ. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how I differ with other people. Because, mm. you know, like I say... I'd... But you still won't get that with everyone. Do you know what I mean? You still won't get chemistry like we had from the get-go yeah, with yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you can celebrate that, like... or And also release some of that, like, oh, I need to like everybody, just in that nobody... not Sorry, not everybody needs to like me. Because also it would be super overwhelming if everybody did like... Like, I see most people that are super famous, and I feel sorry for them, because that just looks like a lot of pressure because that many people like you it is on a pedestal level because you can't both show up but do they together do they like them or do they like what they've done that's what i mean or how they feel or whatever that's may have had a yeah that was a pedestaling them it's a weird thing mate um you know you might have done it when you did this you might have done it when you did a previous one or when you've achieved something but then people start coming out of the coming out of the box and start trying to hang around you a little bit more and be like, Oh, what about if we do this together? Or what? They try and then try and capitalize off your achievements. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, 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 you like what you've done or what I've done. You don't like the person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, but that, that's what I'm meaning is like, if we get, again, it's that Eunice, right? If we get caught in trying to make everybody like us, please us, which I don't think either of us are necessarily 
overtly fixed on, but it's always a subconscious with the society. Um, we're actually missing out on the actual chemistry and deepening that comes with the few people that really, truly do value us as people and our yes. perspectives and our opinions. Yes. And even in a relationship, say, of a famous person or someone that's got a lot of attention on them, there's also this really strange dynamic relationship where the fans are pedestaling them and they expect something back from that person. But in doing that, you actually lose the ability to deepen and actually find the chemistry there. So it's so superficial. And then it's this idea of like, oh, I'm never enough or, or whatever, or I have to be a certain way. I can't change. I can't threaten. I don't know exactly where my point is going with this. Um, and I told you that question that you gave me, which I think was to end it. We've gotten so far from there. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you answered it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, comes back to that same quote that I bring up every single podcast. I deserve the love I so freely give to myself, uh, fr freely give to others. Like I can find compassion. I can find interest in anyone else. I can sound, say my friends are the most interesting people ever, even when they hurt me. But when it comes to me, I'm a bit like, it's all about fucking self-value. I did not understand that quote of like, you can't put the mask on someone else if you haven't put the mask on yourself for so long. In the last year, I just feel like it keeps hitting me with one of those fucking stupid uh, well, boxing glove things. Yeah, I know. But like, then it's the actual implicate, like imp imp implant implementing Implement. of it, which is all the journey too, right? But I'm getting better at it, clearly. Dude, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's go cool. frolic around in the field or something. Be a menace. All right. I am a menace daily. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Bye, everybody. Catch you later.